Like I said, it's so good to see you this morning. You look amazing. Thank you for joining us. I want to say a special thank you to everybody watching online from wherever you are. There are people that watch from Tennessee, Georgia, Oklahoma. There's people all around the way, Mississippi. I mean, there's people that watch from all kinds of places. They'll Hey, tell us where you're watching from today. We'd like to know. But there's people that watch from all over, and I just want to say thank you for tuning in and being a part of Overcome Church and what God is doing right here but most of all, thank you guys so much for coming and joining us on this holiday weekend. I'll tell you, you look great. Thanks for uh, just being here. Thanks for being a part of Overcome Church and uh, what God's doing here. It is my privilege to serve alongside of Pastor Jeremiah and Pastor Jimmy and the rest of the leadership team here. I got to let you know, they are an amazing group of people. And I just can't thank them enough for everything that they do. Um, and everything that they bring to the table here at Overcome Church. Now, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to preach this message, uh, but before we do, let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for what has already been felt in this place. Lord, as your spirit has uh, come and just begin to reign in this place, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here and the things that you've already set into motion. Lord, I pray now as we look into your word, God, that First of all, you would give me utterance to speak boldly from your word as I ought to, God, that I would not shy away from anything, but Lord, that I would just speak what you have put on my heart, what you have planned for this congregation today, Lord, what you have uh, for us, Lord. Let us hear what it is, what thus saith the Lord God, and so Lord, we just pray that, and Lord, we pray that you would be with us in this place, Lord. Open up every heart and every mind here and all over the place as people watch online. God, we pray that you would have your will and your way amongst us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? amen. amen. Y'all awake this morning? Oh, good. We're good. Uh, we're glad to see you. Um, uh, we just concluded our sermon series called Faith in Progress last week. I had a lot of fun and learned a lot through that series um, today. I'm excited, though, to preach this message. But before I tell you my title, I want to talk about something. I want you to think for just a moment about the most beautiful place, or it could be the most beautiful person that you've ever seen. I'm looking at Jason back there, and he already knows. He already knows. He's got a smile from ear to ear. It's his bride right next to him. I mean, trophy. <laughs> Are you thinking about it? Most beautiful place or most beautiful person you've ever seen? If you're like me, it's, it's a wow. I love, uh, there's no question, Sandra is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Most beautiful created thing that God has set into existence. But I love the mountains, I gotta say. I love me and saying that's something that Sandra and I share in common. And we love uh, to head out to the mountains and just check out uh, just everything that God has put into place. It's God's handiwork. I've been consumed here lately with Genesis 1-1. I don't know why, but I've mentioned it in almost three sermons now, I think. This will be the fourth. And I'm just eat up by it. Because not only is it, yes, it's a controversial statement for the culture we live in today. In the beginning, God created. A lot of people would say, eh, you know, either have a lot of questions or a lot of rebuttal against that statement. But the word of God says it, and it's true. In the beginning, God created. 
And I've been hung up on that one verse because it, there's a lot that goes with that. That's a foundational, monumental moment in history where everything was birthed into uh, existence. And you can talk through the different levels of creation, the different days, the things that God did on the first day all the way to the sixth, and then the seventh as he rested. We can observe all these things, and we can talk about all these things, but in, grand, in the retrospect of all of it, it is his handiwork, and to go out with my beautiful bride and friends and family and go to the mountains and to see what God has done. It is uh, mind-boggling to me. I love to see the crevices and the, and the cracks in the earth, and it's weird, I know, the way the trees just kind of roll over the mountains, and you can give me your scientific explanation, but I paint the picture of God literally taking his finger and just making each crevice, every crack, look, speaking these things into existence and everything that he's done. And as we think about Genesis 1-1, and we correlate with everything that we've uh, thought about thus far with the most beautiful places or the most beautiful people, We've ever seen, I can't help but to just thank the Lord. Jeremiah is all over everything this morning as we just with a spirit of thankfulness in this room uh, to what the Lord has done. I can't help but to be thankful to the Lord for his craftiness, his craftsmanship, his handiwork. And I think about the throne room, and Jeremiah mentioned a statement that these beings that uh, literally they're, they're consistent. They go to and fro in front of the altar, or in front of the throne uh, before God, in, inside of the throne room. And as you, well, let's turn there. Why not? Revelation chapter 4. If you have your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 4. Let's follow the Spirit this morning. Why not? Revelation chapter 4, after. After this, I looked, and there in heaven was an open door, and the first voice that I had heard speaking to me was like a trumpet and said, come up here, I'll show you what must take place. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it, and the one seated there had the appearance of a jasper and carnelian stone, a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne, and around the throne were 24 thrones. And on those thrones sat 24 elders, dressed in white clothes, with golden crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightnings and rumbles of thunder, uh, peals of thunder, came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which were, seven, or which were the, or which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, picture this, this is my favorite part. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal was also before the throne. Imagine standing before that throne right now. Just close your eyes and imagine this with me. Standing before that throne, a vast sea of glass before you and the throne. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the, uh, the throne on each side. And the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like an ox. The third living creature uh, had the face of a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Uh, each of the four living creatures had six wings, and they were covered with eyes all around inside and inside. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks, somebody say thanks, to the one seated on the throne, 
the one who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne and say, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive the glory and honor and power because you have created all things. Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. God's glory is vast. And the spirit of thanks that is in this room as we contemplate these things. In the beginning, God created. And you think about the most beautiful sight you've ever seen. It's it's like it's a moment of awe to contemplate the fact that God, he sits on his throne of glory and day in and day out, these creatures, they just, they're there and they just declare the holiness and the glory of God. That's all they were ever created to do, just be there amongst the throne and declare the glory of God. And I, I look as John tries to depict what he's seeing here as God's showing him the throne room. And I think about, we, we uh, you know, scrambled up to Gatlinburg this weekend for a little while. And uh, Noah is all about these little, you know, they're everywhere, the little gold mining things and the stone, the gem thing. And he's like, he would not leave us alone about it. It's like, okay, okay, we'll get you a little bag so you could sift the, the rocks they put in there. And um, so we pour the bag in there, and of course Natalie has to have half the bag too, or it's a world war. And so we get the, you know, we're, we're, we pour the things in there, and it's, it's crazy because my mind instantly goes to this passage of scripture we pour the stones in there right and you know you shake the thing and it it drops all the dirt out and you see the the colors that all the all the gems they come to light and here you are you you see it all they even gave us a little uh a little paper there with all the images and you can name you could see the name of these rocks and as we're picking these things out i'm trying to ask natalie okay this is this color so what which point to the one that's on the paper. And as we're sort, uh, sorting through these things, I'm seeing the jasper stone and this stone, that stone, all these stones that are depicted in the kingdom of heaven as John's just trying his best to describe what he's seeing. And so the best way he can describe what he's seeing in the throne room is just to, uh, to uh, correlate it to some stones that we may know, like a jasper stone, a cornelian stone. Like uh, the red, There was like a rainbow around the throne that looked like an emerald. I mean, it's vast beauty is what it is, and all of it is God's handiwork and craftsmanship. Uh, today, as we come and continue in this posture of thankfulness. I'm so glad the Lord set it up like he did. It's a setup today. Um, I want to talk about this concept, work your worship. I want to talk about work your worship. What is worship? Isn't it more than just a song on our lips? Isn't the song the expression of what truly happens in worship? A song is the expression. That's why we get excited and we clap our hands, and I just about ran while we sang, I thank God, but I was afraid you might think I was, something was wrong, so don't. You know. That's why we clap our hands, we praise the Lord, we express our gratitude, and we express our worship to the Lord. But the song that is on our lips is just a byproduct of what true worship is. Isn't true worship 
Also like the physical beat of our heart, the movement of our hands, and the, the conscious decision to live radically sold out for Jesus. Isn't that worship? What we do, what we say, what we think, these things are physical forms of worship and then the song that is on our lips, that's the byproduct. I wanna talk today about work your worship. Work your worship. Read with me in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. The Bible says this, for it's just like a man, Jesus is giving us a parable about the kingdom of heaven and our purpose. Did you know you were created with a purpose? What a testimony. We'll get on that here in a second. He says, for it's like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave uh, two talents, and to another one talent. And depending on each one's ability... That's how he gave it to him. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received the five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Seems like a safe, smart thing to do, eh? You only have one. Don't risk it. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Does that sound like something else you've heard? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Share your master's uh, joy. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. The man who had received the one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. Hmm, That's harsh terminology there. You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have uh, received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have more than enough. But for the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw, uh, throw his good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness. Whew. Sheesh. Where there will be weeping and gnashing 
of teeth. And so Jesus is painting a picture of heaven here, kind of correlating our life and our purpose here on this earth along with our step off into eternity with him. And he's trying to paint this picture for the people that he's teaching. Remember, he's teaching a multitude of people at this point. Not only does he have the disciples that he's been, um, you know, he's been doing life with and training at this point, but he's also, ha- he, he has this multitude of people that just follow him from town to town to town. And he sits down to teach these people and he says, to them as he's just about, I mean, he's literally, um, I mean, the story's almost over here in the book of Matthew, and he's teaching these people this parable, and he begins to talk about our life as we walk, talk, and think on into stepping into eternity here. I want you to know today, church, that everyone in this place has this testimony, that we were created with a purpose. That we were created with a purpose and we have a job to do. That nobody in here is useless. Nobody in here uh, just gets the scot-free ride to be a lazy potato. Uh, We here have a purpose. We were created with a solid purpose. And that solid purpose, that testimony that we all share, is the testimony that we have been created to solely just bring glory to our creator by the way we walk, talk, and think. By the way, we walk, talk, and think we were created to bring glory to the Father in those ways. By the way, we walk, talk, and think. Write that down if you're writing anything down. Uh, Sorry. Uh, From the very beginning of time, man was created to craft and cultivate, just like our God the Father has done on the first six days of creation. Now, mind you, in a much smaller facet, um, God, in the beginning, God created, and you see and you read, if you look at God's intent for man as he builds Adam and then figures out, or, you know, they, they have the conversation and God reminds or tells Adam, hey, it's not good for you to be alone. Let's figure this out. Let's find you a helpmate. After this is established and God sets them up, what is their job? To build and to cultivate the land. To grow and produce, to manipulate and shape the land here, to make pretty what God has given them, to make use of what God has given them. Now, no doubt, things go crazy, and we know how, um, you know, how history played out uh, therein. But from the beginning of time, man was created to craft and cultivate, just like our God. We are made to be representations, representations to the Lord. We are meant to be not gods, but products of God displaying his glory. Did you get that? We were made, created in his image. God says, let us make man in our image. And in doing that, we are now representations of God, not to set up kingdoms of our own, but yet to be a direct product from God's fruit, like to be, actually be God's fruit and letting the spirit live and work in and amongst us. Then we cultivate, we create, we make, we shape, we use our physical talents, not monetary talents. I don't know if you knew this, but in the text today, as it talked about talents, it's talking about a form of currency. It's a, it's a currency. A talent was a currency in that day. But the same, could be a, uh, the, the same could be attached to what we do today. It's God giving us purpose, giving us ability, giving us um, uh, uh, access to do certain things for his glory. So... To correlate it and make it make sense here, uh, if you're good at sweeping the floor, sweep the floor for his glory. 
If you're good at driving a truck, you drive the truck for his glory. If you can hold an umbrella very well and welcome people into Overcome Church on a Sunday morning, then you hold that umbrella to the best of your ability with passion in your hearts and a smile on your face for God's glory. If you can strum a guitar and sing like an angel, boy, you do that for God's glory. It doesn't matter what you do. If you flip a burger, you flip a burger for God's glory. You have been given purpose and ability and talent, whatever that may be. There are engineers in this room. There are uh, medical officials in this room. There are people of of high caliber uh, intellectually and physically in this room. And whatever it is that you find yourself doing on the day-to-day or whatever it is that the passion uh, or whatever it is that is passion that God has placed in your heart, that is meant solely for you to do for God's glory. You were instilled with everything you need to praise the Lord. Whew, that was a long way around saying that. Everyone in this place has this testimony that we were created with a solid purpose to give God glory. By the way, we walk, talk, and think. By the way, we live our life. By the way, we move. By the way, we do what we do best. Whatever that may be, whatever your occupation is, whatever it is that you say on a day-to-day basis, whatever the meetings, the, the interactions with people, the uh, going, even going to the grocery store, all this is meant for you to have a solid opportunity to give God glory. You are made to be creative and cultivate. Use your hands, use your mind, use your words to build up and glorify the Lord. Not build up the Lord, but build up people and then glorify the Lord. You were created with such a purpose and such an ability. Let that say, let that be said today. Not only do you have this purpose, it's not this overarching expectation that hovers a cloud over your head. No, it's a purpose that's been given to you along with and accompanied by the ability to do so. You say, Austin, how is that? I have no special talents or gifts. Man. You have full capability to give God glory in whatever you do. Now, some of you may be saying, oh, Austin, though, you said the statement uh, that uh, maybe uh, we were created to craft and cultivate and things like that. Don't, or isn't there a curse? Your labor may be a curse, and I'll explain this in a second. Your labor may be a curse, but your craft is not a curse. It's worship. When you work and do your absolute best at what you are good at and what you were created to do, you bring glory to the one that created you. It's like a car. When a car operates to the best of its ability, when a car is at its optimal operation, you know, uh, situation, when it is functioning to the best of its ability, it's good, it's easy to give whoever the creator of that car is a pat on the back. That's how you give God glory. When you work within your, um, your, the scope of who you are, what God has given you and purposed you for. Now, I made the statement, your labor may be a curse, but your craft is not. There was a time, obviously, when, when things went awry in the garden, and you see as you read through the historical account there in, in Genesis, at the beginning of time, when when Adam and Eve fell and it's the fall of man and you see where sin creeps into um, the, the hearts of man at that moment. That is the fall. And yes, there is a statement from God afterwards where he says, you are now cursed in your labor. You have to now labor to get what you need here on this earth to produce fruit. You have to labor to produce fruit. Yes, we may be cursed in our labor because of sin, but our craft is not a curse. Our craft, which is different than our labor, 
what we are made to do, how we produce glory for the Lord, how we walk, talk, and think to give God glory is not a curse. It's a, wor- it's a form of worship. When you work and do what you are absolutely best at doing to the best of your ability, you bring glory to the one who created you. And so for Jimmy, it's numbers and it's analytics and it's, um, it's uh, thinking through process and procedure and things like that. For Jeremiah, it's organization and worship and, and um, motivation. That dude motivates me, I'm going to tell you what. And there's many, many more. And I can, name, I can look throughout this whole room and I can think about you who are watching online. And I can name many, many people who have great talent and ability. And whatever that talent and ability is, man, that's there for a reason. You're made to worship the Lord with that. And so, long way around saying all that, I want to talk about work your worship. Somebody say, work your worship. Oh, y'all ain't trying to help me this morning. Come on, wake up. Work your worship. There you go. Listen, I want to talk about uh, working your worship with the way you walk, talk, and think. I promise I'll be quick. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31. You may know it already. So whether you eat or you drink, or whatever you do, do all unto the glory of God. Work your worship with the way you walk the walk. Write that down. Work your worship with the way you walk your walk. Don't bury your blessings. Look back in Matthew chapter 25, verse 18, where it made this statement. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money, the talent that was given to him. Now, remind you, to remind you here, this is a parable. This is Jesus giving you an example of what God has done here amongst us. And so here, let it correlate with you. God has given you the ability to shine like you've never shined before for the glory of God. I think about this verse, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And then I also think about this other uh, section of Scripture where it says that we are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And who lights a lamp and puts a shade on top of it so that it does not give light to the whole house? No, you take the shade off of it and let the light shine. We are a city on a hill, the Bible says. You know what that says to me? If we are the light of the earth, if we are that light and we are the distinguished flavor, the salt of the earth, and we are a city on a hill that says, hey, we should let our light so shine before men so that they may see our good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's not letting your left hand know what your right hand's doing. That's getting where uh, everybody can see it and shining for the Lord. That's giving the glory to the Lord. That's giving all the praise and the honor to the Lord. It's like, hey man, you really sing well. Oh, well, it's God's gift to me and I do it for the Lord. Hey man, you really do well in these meetings. Like you speak well and you're very intellectual and you're very snappy and you're quick and you're able to really carry this meeting along well. Oh, well, that's a gift from God to me and I just do it for the Lord. It's all about taking what God is giving you because, yes, he has given you many gifts. He's given you many abilities. He's given you the best abilities that he could give you. It's your opportunity to operate within these abilities. It's your opportunity and your uh, gift to operate within what God has given you. And in doing that, you give the glory to the Lord. Uh, somebody, I was talking this morning with a friend, and, and he brought up the Tower of Babel, and I think it's a direct correlation. I think it's a wonderful correlation. You think back to the account where uh, people on this earth would begin to build this tower, right? And their, their object, their idea was, hey, we're going to build a tower big enough to reach the heavens, and we're going to set up our throne up there, right? 
And oh, they were skilled at making the bricks. They were the, they were the pioneers in bricks, right? They make these awesome bricks and they're building this tower and this tower is looking good. All ability given to them by the Lord, but with wrong motives, what did God do? When you take what God has directly given you as a gift, as an ability, as a talent, and you use it with the wrong motives, he'll confuse it every time you'll never get anywhere. Today I want to talk about work, your worship. Don't bury your blessings. You see that? The, the man who had one, he played it safe, and he just went and buried talent there. Look here, what if you were given a chance to like walk on water, but instead you chose to play it safe? You ever think about that? What made me think about this, actually a song, but then also an account that happened this weekend, I'm like, and I gotta bring it up just cause. Like, I'm not a fan of the ski lift junk, and, and thank you for the family members I have in here that say no to those things. Um, so I'm the only one, though, that wasn't a fan of it. So amongst our crew that's up there having a great time, the idea is, hey, let's go on the ski lift, go up there to Anakista, we'll have a good time up there. I didn't know there was a road. You could have rode the little van thing. I would have sent them and rode the van, right? They're like, no, 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 there's no way to get up there but this thing. It's like, oh. So, you know, with all the anxiety, I hear you laughing over there. Uh, with all the anxiety welling up inside of me, I'm like, oh, gosh. You know, I got to do it. I just, I'm just going to do it. I don't want to be a bummer. So we get on this thing. And uh, first thing to note, my heart's pounding out of my chest. Second thing, if you looked at any of Sandra's pictures, you may see Noah with his head on her, on, on her shoulder. He's like closing his eyes and like just suction to the little seat there, the chairlift. And then Natalie's just having a good old time. She would have bounced on the trampoline up there. She would have had fun. Uh, she was just having a great time. She has no fear. The whole time, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what's the worst that can happen? Let me look around. I'm inspecting bolts. I'm looking at the cable here. I'm like, I'm just looking around. But I don't want to move too much because if I move, then something may happen. And then Natalie's, like, moving her arms around. I'm like, don't move. You know, I'm like, I've got her pushed as far back to the seat as I can. It's like, don't move at all. You know, don't make any sudden movements here. <laughs> I'm like in this moment here. Good friend Connor turns back. Hey, you good? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> Noah's like, no, I'm not okay. Why did you make me do this? He surely said that. I swear he did. <sighs> I said all that to say like, uh, I can think about the time Peter was given the opportunity to walk on water, and man, how scary that must have been. And I'm just a little wimp that won't ride a ski lift. Like, Peter was stepping out on water. Like, he was out there in the middle of the sea and just a scary storm all around. Like, um, but I got to say, if I'd have, if I'd, you know, if I'd have just stuck to my guns and not rode the thing and we wouldn't have went to Anakista, we wouldn't have had a great time up there, we'd have went and ate a bunch of fudge somewhere else and done something else in Gatlinburg, but... You know, it was cool. Anakista was good. It was, it was fun. It was an enjoyable moment. And I found the bus that takes you back down the mountain, so I didn't have to ride. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I was like, hey, y'all, I compromised for y'all to ride this thing up here. Can you give your boy a compromise, ride the van back down? So we rode the van. Praise God. But I said all that to say that sometimes you're presented with an opportunity to walk on water, but instead you'd much rather play it safe. Uh for fear of messing up or, or something happening or, or so on and so forth. I would say today, don't bury your blessings. 
Don't be reckless, but understand that a close relationship with the Lord isn't always the most comfortable thing. Do you get that? I'm not saying, and I don't think the word of God is saying be reckless. We're called to be good stewards with what God has given us, right? You don't have to be so reckless. But what I am saying today is this, that you better know when you're signing up to do life with the Lord that it's not always the most comfortable. And there's gonna be times where it's kind of scary. And um, yeah, don't bury your blessing there. What the guy with one talent did is he played it safe. He was like, you know what? Uh, you know, I'm not gonna take a chance on losing this. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna dig this hole. I'm gonna bury that talent. And when the master comes back, I'm just gonna dig it back up and bring back what is his. He said, this is yours. This is what is, you know, I did no harm, no foul. But the master, which is G- Jesus is trying to, uh, you know, correlate or, or, or paint the picture to what is expected of you and I as we are given these abilities and talents, which is to use these abilities and talents, the master's like, dude, I could have done something different with this. I could have taken this talent I've given you and, and done something different. You didn't do anything with this talent. And then a bunch of harsh words there, and it, it was crazy. To that, I'll say this. There's a part in the Bible where it says faith without works is dead. Let's bring it in with that. James chapter two, verse 18. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works. There's an action part to it. You believe that God is one good, even the demons believe that and they shudder. Senseless person. Look at this terminology here. Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Faith without works is useless. You're like, what in the world are you talking about? The thing to note here is that though you may still have your faith and be a spiritual couch potato, you and your couch potato faith are missing every blessing that could come by the way of actually doing something with your faith. Do you hear me? It's when it, and that's what the word of God is saying there. Faith without works is dead. In other words, you, you can have faith. You can believe in the Lord. You can do all the believing in the world and be a spiritual couch potato and never move a, a muscle in your faith. But uh, it's when you put your faith, when you put feet to your faith and when you move in your faith, when you do life for the Lord, you bring glory to the Lord, you, you worship the Lord. By the way, you walk the walk, talk, and think. When you do these things, Your faith is effective at that point and it moves mountains and it shakes nations, it shakes the city, it does things, it's not just dormant, it actually moves. I think about, and I'll say this one more thing, the reason why I'm spending so much time on this first point, I won't take this much time on the other points, this is the most important part about it all. The way you walk, the way you move, why? Because actions do speak louder than words. I think about this verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Two action words there, taste and see. You taste and you see. It's action, it's doing something, it's moving in a way that you can be, uh, that, that's proven to you that the Lord is good. For some of us, it'd be stepping out on faith. I'm gonna step out on faith and I'm gonna see that the Lord is good. I'm gonna take this risk in my faith and see that the Lord is good. I'm not gonna be reckless, 
I'm going to steward what God has given me well, but I'm actually going to use my faith. I'm going to put my faith to use. I'm going to put my feet to my faith and see I'm going to figure it out and realize that the Lord is good. It's like these donuts here. I'll show you. I'm going to share one with Anita here because she, she likes these donuts. I look at these Krispy Kreme donuts. And, oh, I'll tell you. Take one out. And you could tell me all you want how good these donuts is. I'll take a bite. Mm. Mm. Boy, I'll tell you. These would be better if they were warm. But they're good now. And every one of y'all's mouth is just salivating. And everybody knows what that tastes like. Now, with my experience here, this is good. I'm glad they brought these donuts this morning. This, this goes well. With my experience here, I could tell all y'all about how enjoyable this is. That's kind of funny. I could tell you all day long, man, these things, the way it's like, it's just nice, soft. You know, I'm not doing good at describing it, but it's sticky. Now I have a mess. I'm here trying to preach a sermon, but I'm eating a mid-sermon snack. I could tell you all day long about these Krispy Kreme donuts, and though you may already know, Anita, just bear with me here. I can tell you about these Krispy Kreme donuts all I want, but it's only until you actually dip your hand in the box and grab you one. And then you take that bite. Yeah, everybody's waiting. Yeah, she took the bite. And now you know. Let's bite together. Cheers. Uh. Mm. I'm glad we did that. We can stay a little longer now. I can wait till lunch. Thank you for that. A little hand sanitizer. All that good stuff. But you get what I'm saying there? I could tell you all day long about how wonderful these donuts are. Let me finish my chew. That was a bad decision. Bear with me. I can tell you all day long about how awesome these donuts are. Connor could tell me all day long about how amazing Anakista is on top of this mountain. You gotta see it, dude. But until I take the bite, I won't know. Until I ride the stinking lift, I won't know. You know what I'm saying? It's tasting, it's seeing, it's doing something, it's an action, it's the way you walk. I'm trying to get you to understand that until you ever take a step in faith, you'll never understand what the result, the fruit of that actual step is. You'll never understand the magnitude, the fullness of your capability, what you were created to do in glorifying Jesus with your life. Your life is not your own. It doesn't belong to you. I know we set up 401ks, we buy a lot of insurance and we have a uh, a bunch of investments and we do a lot to make this life comfortable for ourselves. I do it too. But it's not our own. This life belongs to the Lord. We were literally created for this purpose to give it all to him. I'm not saying empty your bank account at Overcome Church. I'm saying no, the way you walk, talk, and think is meant to solely be given to the Lord in everything you do. Whether you eat, Anita, or drink, or whether you, whatever you do, do everything, not some things, but everything for the glory of God. The reason I've belabored this point is because it's the most important point. 
Actions do speak louder than words. And it's only until, and we read this in James chapter 2, it's only until you put feet to your faith that you truly see what God can do through you. My second point is talk the talk. Work your worship in the way you talk the talk. The Bible says in James chapter 3 this about your tongue. It says, now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole body. A little bitty piece of metal will direct the entire body of a horse. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Uh, wherever the will of the pilot directs, it'll go. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider or think about how small a fire sets ablaze a large forest. Going up to Gatlinburg, it's kind of crazy how all this correlates. You've been to the old Smokey up on the sign there, it says, uh, you know, save us from the forest fires. A spark can start a forest fire. It's true. It's crazy. Consider how small a fire can set ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness. Look at what the Bible says about your mouth, about your tongue. Your tongue is a world of unrighteousness. It's placed among, among our members. It stains the whole body and sets the course of life on fire. And it itself is set on fire by hell. It says, hey, your tongue has the ability to make or break you, Bubba. I'm going to tell you that right now. And it's not just talking about cuss words. It's not talking about what happens when you slam your finger. It's talking about what you say in direct, uh, uh, you know, in direct attacks or building up of another individual. Your language, your words have the power to do two things. They can either build somebody up or they can tear somebody down. They can do construction or destruction. And we've probably all spent time on both ends of those. Your words can build somebody up or, tell them, or tear them down. But the Bible says, hey, it's no secret. That tongue, it's, a fire, uh, it's, it, it's, it's set on fire by hell, the Bible says. It's dangerous to let that thing go loose, to let that thing take control. Your words, your speech... The Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, again, it's not just talking about, you know, colorful language. It's talking about the intent of your language, any language. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up somebody in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Your words can build somebody up or tear them down. And the Bible here says that um, you, you are made, your your words should not be used, they should not come out of your mouth in a foul way, but only uh, what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. So the way you talk plays a large portion or a large part to how um, people receive you, I'll say. Wouldn't you say that's how first impressions are made? The way you say, hey, how are you doing? Or anybody feel welcomed as you walked in the door? What would have happened if Becky stood there like that and said, come on in? It's a funny correlation there, but it's true. Your language has a lot to do with your worship. Work your worship in the way you walk, but also in the way you talk. What you say, how you build people up, how you uh, invest in people through your words. Hey, you look very good today. As opposed to not saying anything at all. That, that friend, 
that friend that's probably struggling with everything about his image, one high five, handshake, or a hug. Hey, bro, you look good, dude. You're looking good. I like that shirt. You know what I'm saying? Just something little. Hey, man, I really love the fact that you're so organized. Dude, you, you rock on the team. Or hey, I noticed you sweep that floor well. As opposed to just not saying anything at all, or as opposed to being so critical about every little thing. Yeah, I see you're sweeping the floor and you got the whole thing, but hey, yo, you missed a spot. You know, lame correlation, but you get what I'm saying. Your words build up or tear down. So work your worship with the way you walk, talk, and then think, right? Think down. Somebody say thank. The way you walk, talk, and think, your mind is a battleground. I'll tell you, it's the place that uh, sees the uh, influence of the enemy the most. Your mind uh, turns constantly. Did you know your mind never really stops? It does not stop. It never does. It really won't. You may slow down. You may take a break when you rest and sleep, but um, it never truly stops. That's why people have dreams. And I could have give, given you the, little, the cool little scientific facts that I pulled up, but there's no need for lack of, uh, or for the sake of your time and being respectful of it. I just want to bring to you this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, and whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. I'll be real with you. It's about a mindset every single day. Your mind is its one of those strategic battlegrounds the enemy targets every time. Your family and your mind. He'll always target the home, and he always comes for the mind. He'll have you reading into things that people say. He'll have you thinking things about people just because they looked at you weird or said something that may have sounded weird, you didn't hear them correctly, or, or you saw something on Facebook. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the principalities of darkness and the powers of the air. But the enemy, <laughs> the one we actually wrestle against, will have you looking at people. And it's all a mind game with him. But the Bible says, hey, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, and I'm closing quickly so the band can come. Whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Dwell on them. Stay consistent in your thoughts on these things. You want to know how you do that? One way you can do that is get up in the word of God every day. Every day. In the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. Come on, somebody, say it with me. In the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. It's a mindset. It's when you wake up in the morning, you say, today I declare the truths of God. Today I will walk with the shield of faith. Today I will put on the helmet of my salvation. It's when you wake up in the morning and reflect. I would love to be like Amy and wake up so early in the morning before everybody else and just reflect on what I'm thankful for. Perfect thing to do. No doubt she probably does her Bible study at that time and things like that as well. These guys wake up before anybody on the earth. <laughs> the Kegel's house is teeming with life at three o'clock in the morning. No, I'm just kidding. But what a strategy. First thing, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Because it sets your mind in a state of thankfulness 
And there you can dwell on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, just dwell on that. Because it's easy to get clouded, it's easy to get fogged and, and bogged down with a bunch of the negativity that surrounds us. It's easy to wake up and say, oh, it's raining, I ain't going to church. Or, oh, did you see what she posted about me on Facebook when it had nothing to do with you in the first place? Or, or all these different things that the enemy tries to lay on you, right? If you could wake up and in the morning when I rise, just give me Jesus. The first thing you do is place your mind on the promises of the Lord. That'll set you up for success as you walk, talk, and think, worship, as you work your worship. We're not made to just be spiritual couch potatoes, but we're made to put faith to our feet, feet to our faith, to work our worship. And in everything we do, as God has given us talents and abilities, just do that for the Lord. I breathe for the Lord. I walk for the Lord. I talk, the way I talk should glorify the Lord. The way I think should glorify the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let everything you do be done for the Lord.